Today, I'm talking about the dangers of undereating, which I see all the time with clients, and also about intermittent fasting and why it might not be as awesome for you as you think. Okay, so let's dive into the show. Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezia Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. So this is exciting. I've been meaning to do an episode on this for ages, and today we're talking about intermittent fasting and undereating, and a little bit about overeating as well, which is going to be fun. So if you have ever wondered or been sucked into this dieting faddiness or ever wondered, maybe I should intermittent fast. You know, you read that the research was pretty good about it. I want to share with you today my thoughts, my the strategy that I recommend with my clients and um, what you should do about this, okay, and what you should focus on. So that's what we're looking at today, which is exciting. Otherwise, I hope you are doing well. I am just... I've just had some lunch and I think the girls have just woken up. I can hear them crying (laughs) outside. Life on this end is uh, going pretty good. We met with a nanny that's going to start working with us um, this morning, which is exciting because it's been feeling like a lot (laughs) just um, having all, uh, all, you know, three kids under three. And my husband has been on parental leave, but he'll start work back at work soon. And I'll start, I've obviously been working, doing bits of work, but I've only been working maybe like a couple, like, you know, 10 hours a week. And so I'll be increasing my hours and just figuring out all the things whilst both of us are back at work has felt a bit overwhelming. So we'll be welcoming in another family member with our nanny, which I'm excited about. And I think I should hopefully help, although I've never obviously done this before, so I have no idea how it's going to work. So that's exciting. I've been doing that and I have been uh, just getting stuff sorted with clients. And, or, and as I'm recording this, I'm currently just doing all my mini sessions that I have offered. You probably heard in the last last week's episodes where I was offering free mini sessions to kind of celebrate releasing my fast belly methodology. So that has been awesome. I've done a handful so far and I love doing mini sessions. So if you're listening to this, all those sessions are probably gone now. So do make sure you get on my email list because it's little fun free things like this that I send first and foremost to my email list. So if you're not on my email list, head to keziahall.com forward slash quiz, complete the quiz, enjoy and then that will add you to my email list. So that's super fun. I've actually even opened up some more spaces because they all got booked out in like less than 24 hours. Um, And it's just great to chat with you. And it's been so awesome to hear about how already, like as I'm recording this, the fast belly methodology has only been like live for less than 24 hours. And already it sounds like it's helping you guys loads. So that is awesome. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I gave you two episodes last week introducing the fast belly methodology, which is my holistic yet evidence-based methodology and framework for you to sort out your belly in a fast amount of time, <laughs> you know, quickly, essentially. Um, and if you haven't listened to that, that do go and do that because it's probably, you've never, it's probably not stuff you've heard before, 
in terms of sorting out your belly, you've probably been told all the wrong information, kind of like what we'll talk about today. So that episode will kind of, those episodes will debunk a bunch of stuff for you. So go and look at that. Um, Otherwise, um, it's just been doing some client work. I've got a bunch of test results come back. So I've been running a lot of Dutch hormone tests with clients. And so that has been super interesting. I always have predictions with clients of what's going to come up in their test results. And sometimes I'm right. And other times I'm not at all right. Uh, so I've also had a couple of thyroid tests coming back for clients and I'm waiting on some stool tests. So I love running lab tests. And when you work with me, you I give you kind of credit as part of the of the payment of working with me that goes towards lab tests. So I now run labs with every single client I work with because it's just it just massively accelerates their progress. Um, and so the lab, um, the hormone test I was looking at this week and I was went through it with a client, really explained so many of the client's symptoms because there was a lot of androgen hormone activity that was leading to inflammation and facial hair and those kinds of things. There was also a lot of estrogen dominance that was affecting her energy and um, all of that sort of stuff. And also her cortisol patterns were a little bit off and flatline as well. And this client particularly would be really knackered in the afternoon and in the evening. And part of that was to do that with their cortisol level really dropping below what is ideal. So we got that and tons more information just from this simple test. So I do love running labs and it's worth saying with the labs that I run with clients. So when you go to the doctor, you'll obviously have tests and stuff done. And often what a doctor will be doing is when they run tests, they'll be looking to diagnose disease, which is great, really helpful. Always go to your doctors and get lab tests done. The labs that I run with clients, you know, aren't things that are offered on the NHS here in the UK because they're not diagnostic, partly because that's not my job and that's not why I'm, I'm not allowed to diagnose things. It's not my role, but they're, they're functional lab tests, meaning they're looking at how are things working in your body um, and they... So they're like another part of the picture when it comes to lab tests. And that's because sometimes people will ask, well, if these are decent lab tests, why is the NHS not off them? And it's because it's just a different framework. Um, and also they're expensive as well, which is why, you know, you have to pay privately for them. So, but so, so useful. And often with my clients, I often get them to get tests done at their GP and then anything that their GP can't do, you know, we would run privately, but they just save you so much time, guys. So if you are interested in getting some lab tests, maybe you want a hormone test or a gut test or whatever it is, do get in touch at keziahall.com and click the work with me page and we can book a conversation and have a chat because, um, you will be amazed at the results and the progress you make once you get some hard data on what's going on with your body. Anyway, I'm rambling now about tests. Let's dive into the episode. So I'm interrupting myself because I think some of you listening to this podcast want the following. You want to create a flat belly. You would like more energy and deep down you would actually really like to shift some of the fat on your body. You'd like some easy fat loss, but you know you are not down for any dieting nonsense because you suspect your digestion's maybe off, your hormones are a bit wonky, you maybe have a history of overeating, binge eating, you've maybe been in a lot of different diet clubs or tried all the protocols, weight watchers, keto, paleo, vegan, and actually you have made zero progress. In fact, you might feel worse now than you did five or six years ago. If that's you, 
I want to invite you to something awesome. I would love to work with you privately over about 10 to 12 weeks where we run all the labs, we get geeky, we really figure out how can we create a happier, flatter belly, how we can shift some of your body composition, meaning natural, healthy fat loss. How can we create more energy so that you wake up in the morning feeling awesome? I would love to help you with that. Plus, I would love to give you a discount on working with me and also some amazing bonuses, including a virtual kind of VIP retreat where we'll really dive into some of the um, strategy and mindset around um, fat loss in a really healthy, normal, simple way. Okay, I would love to do that. So if you are interested, you want to go to keziahall.com forward slash fast, because throughout this program of us working together, I want to share with you my fast methodology, which has worked for me and so many of my clients when it comes to healing their bodies, their hormones, their digestion and their bellies, and to find out more. So if you want to wake up feeling good, have no drama about what you eat, have balanced healthy hormones and a belly that you love more than ever, I really recommend that you head to keziahall.com forward slash fast, F-A-S-T. Book your call with me. We'll just chat over the phone. There's no pressure here. Like we'll figure out if it's a good fit. And then I want us to get started by the end of July, the 31st of July. We'll kick off that virtual online retreat. And then we will start our personal program. Plus, there's so many bonuses of some ongoing accountability, daily support, a discount, all of that kind of stuff. Okay, so head to keziahall.com forward slash fast if you are ready to create a flatter belly, more energy and create healthy, natural, no stress fat loss. Okay, I'd love to speak to you soon. Bye. This is a topic I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And give its own episode too, because it's something I get asked about a lot. So we're talking about under eating and intermittent fasting. So I would probably say on a weekly basis, I get asked about intermittent fasting in some aspect. Um, And so I want to talk about that, my thoughts on it, the approach I have, the generic advice, my thoughts on the research, how it can apply to you. And I also want to talk about under eating, because... This also is something that comes up a lot. is isn't something I get asked about, but generally I find that a lot of people I'm working with are under eating, meaning they are um, not eating enough of the right foods. Now, oddly enough, if we're looking at under eating, sometimes people are both under eating and overeating at the same time. I know that's a bit confusing, but what I mean by under eating is that often people aren't eating enough of the right foods. They aren't eating enough good quality foods, yet they are overeating on processed kind of nonsense foods, like, you know, unreal foods, for want of a better phrase. So they're often under eating meaning they're not getting enough of the basic raw materials that their bodies need to perform certain reactions and processes in the body. Because like the food you eat isn't just like, oh, nice bonus. You know, if I eat today, that's great. 
No, the food that you eat gets broken down by a digestion and become, and it's the food that you eat contains the raw building blocks, some of the essential ingredients, shall we say, that your body needs to do essential functions. It's not just like, oh, getting some vitamin B12 might be nice. No, your body needs that in order to function properly. So, It's really important that you eat enough of the right foods to make sure that you have enough of the raw materials, shall we say, to do all the millions of actions that your body does every single second, every single day. So uh, it's important to think about it. I think about it in both that way. Often clients I'm working with are under eating and overeating. So they're undereating the right foods for their body, but they're overeating the processed foods, the sugar, the alcohol. Maybe they binge eat, maybe they um, comfort eat, you know, or just eating way too much of processed sugary foods to get that dopamine hit or to numb out or to feel their feelings or just to feel better, which is totally understandable. It's worth saying when I'm talking about overeating or undereating, we are so quick to judge that. So you might be listening to that and be like, oh yeah, Kezia, I binge eat. Oh, I'm so, and you know, you'll be immediately judgmental of yourself, immediately critical, immediately embarrassed or shameful. You actually don't need to indulge in those criticisms of yourself. Maybe you overeat, maybe, maybe you binge eat right now. Maybe you undereat. Okay. That's okay. That's where you are right now. You do not need to judge yourself harshly for that. You probably undereat or overeat for a really good reason. Maybe you undereat because everything else in your life has felt chaotic, but controlling your food, controlling your calories, controlling your macronutrient intake is something you can control and makes you feel safe. Oh, that you don't need to judge yourself for that. It's important that you feel safe and you're doing that in an, in an unhealthy way with food. I'm not saying it's healthy and good for you. It's not, but you don't need to judge it. You don't need to pile on the shame because that often leads to inaction. Same with overeating. Maybe you binge eat and you're constantly in a kind of binging cycle and um, judging yourself and being ashamed of that and being mean to yourself and critical and blaming yourself now as I speak about it. You don't need to do that. You maybe overeat right now because life's stressful, because you've never been taught any other coping mechanisms. You might overeat now because you're you need a dopamine hit for your brain because you're lacking in that, or genetically there's some imbalances going on. There'll be a really good reason for why you either overeat or undereat. So don't judge yourself. Don't pile on the shame and blame because it actually gets you nowhere and isn't helpful and is a waste of energy. And like I say to all my clients, say if they overeat or undereat, there's always a reason for it. You know, if you're seeking out comfort from the food that you eat, um, or like I've got a client right now that binge eats and actually from going through her health history, running some tests and doing some data collection like I do with all my clients, it's quite obvious that she actually has a lot of dope, what I would call like dopamine seeking behavior, you know, sugar, alcohol, binge eating, like 
in the past, there's maybe been drugs and all of that sort of stuff. And I see this a lot with clients, this dopamine seeking behavior. And that often can make you more inclined to things like binge drinking or um, binging on sugar, because it's almost like your brain needs to light up in those areas. I've seen this with a couple of clients. And actually, when we really work on that, let's just call it the dopamine pathway. When we really work on supporting that, actually, those behaviors around food ease off and slow down. So there's always a reason. Don't blame yourself. Don't pile on the shame. Okay, I've gotten a bit sidetracked, but I felt like that was important to say. (laughs) So under eating or overeating, often it comes either by itself where people come to me, clients will come and they are just, they're literally just not eating enough food at all they're controlling it. They've maybe read on the internet that to lose weight, they should be eating 1200 calories a day. So that's what they're aiming for. Not a good idea. (laughs) That's under eating. And then you have other people that come to me that maybe are technically getting enough, let's say calories in the day, but they're under eating of the good foods and not getting actually enough nutrients, enough nutrient dense foods into their body for what their body needs for their health goals. But they're overeating on the processed kind of empty nutrient foods. So these would be like your refined carbs and sugars and alcohol that are kind of not they're not rich in nutrients. They actually probably like not deplete, but they don't add a lot to your body. They're not nutrient dense. That's how I like to think about foods. And when I'm eating for myself, I'm always trying to make sure that everything I eat like 90% of the time is nutrient dense foods. I don't want any empty foods. Not, I don't mean empty calories because I don't actually pay attention to my calories at all. I don't pay attention to my clients' calories. I don't check my client's calorie intake. I don't get them to track it. I don't actually do that at all. And so I'm not talking about calories here, but empty foods. So for me, like, um, you know, like this is an obvious example, but your fizzy drinks like Coca-Cola, Sprite, that is, there's no nutrients in that at all. So that's like, that's an empty food in terms of nutrient density. You could, uh, but say maybe some fresh carrot, ginger and lemon juice. Maybe that's got more nutrients in it. That's a bit more nutrient dense, you see? So that's kind of be how I work out. So we have under eating. This is something that I see a lot with clients. Um, and before I dive into talking about intermittent fasting, I just want to talk about really quickly about under eating because this often relates to intermittent fasting. Um, so it can get a bit confusing because there is research out there that talks about caloric restriction. So restricting your calorie intake is can be good. And we have all kind of been brainwashed and told that um, basically eating less is better for you. And a lot of the time with under eating, people take that to the extreme, meaning as humans, we tend to, we tend to be quite black and white. So if we, if someone's told us that eating less is better, we tend to think that eating the least possible is the best, if that makes sense. Meaning, you know, if eating less calories is better, then maybe eating no calories is the best. And now that would be the extreme example in a potentially in kind of more severe eating disorders. But that's kind of the trajectory you can go down. So when it comes to research, there is a lot of research that talks about 
calorie, temporary calorie restriction can be helpful. It may be in terms of fasting and those kinds of things. But chronic under eating, especially if you are a woman of childbearing age, from my experience with clients, is often really detrimental to you hitting your goals. So I just want to touch on that before we look more at intermittent fasting. It's really important that you are not under eating And if you have been involved in the dieting world in any way, you've probably been brainwashed into thinking that you just need to eat less and less and that the solution to your problems is probably to just eat less and less food. But if you go back to what I said about the beginning, about how food, nutrient-dense foods, Eating more nutrient-dense food actually provides your body with the raw materials it needs to survive and do a million different functions and things in your body. You actually don't need to eat less. You need to eat more of the right foods for your body, whether you want to burn fat, whether you want to ditch your IBS, whether you want to balance your hormones, whether you want to ditch the chronic fatigue. You actually don't need to eat less foods. You need to eat more of the right nutrient-dense foods suited for your body, okay? Don't fall into the trap that I just, that the solution is somehow just eating less things. And this also goes with, you know, maybe you're not in, you've not been indoctrinated with this dieting dogma, like maybe I have and my clients have. You know, I joined my first diet club when I was 11 years old, so I am (laughs) well-versed. in this dieting mentality. And I've spent a lot of time intentionally unpicking it. But maybe you are more in like the whole foods, healthy, whole 30 kind of world. You've never done a diet. You've always just been into eating healthy food. You can actually get caught up in this in the same way. I've had a lot of clients come to me that maybe don't count calories or points or sins or anything like that. But they think the solution to their bloating or their hormones, their eczema, whatever it is, is just to restrict more food groups. Meaning, oh, if I just ditch grains and then dairy and then gluten and then nightshades and then legumes and then lectins and then citates and then sugar and then fruit and then fish and then etc. etc. So this can look in two different forms. So I can get people coming to me that are like, oh, I did the autoimmune paleo protocol, um, um, but I'm sensitive to this. And they basically come to me and they've restricted so many food groups. They don't eat gluten. They don't eat dairy. They don't eat sugar. They don't eat fruit. They don't eat legumes. They don't eat this. They don't eat this. They don't eat this. And they actually just keep on thinking, oh, if I just remove more and more food groups from my diet, I'm going to feel better. That also... (laughs) doesn't work. So you can be in two camps with this, but generally restricting food, eating less, doesn't often help your body. You actually need to eat more of the right things, okay? So don't under eat and think that you're going to be helping your body. Chances are you will be, have less energy, you will be more stressed out, your hormones will be more imbalanced, you will either gain weight and or certainly not lose weight in the long run if you chronically under eat. Okay, I see this all the time. And I especially see this with people that maybe want to lose a good chunk of weight. They often actually aren't eating enough of the right foods to fuel their body. They are under eating. Okay, so that's the first part, under eating. And that's why actually in my fast belly methodology that I talked about in the last episodes, 
The second principle, the A of that fast belly methodology is add in more food. Add in more food. And this is something that I actually realized even literally just this week myself. That I, I realized this week, I'm like, oh, actually, I don't think I'm eating enough. Like I am, I, I you know, I talk about this, but I'm constantly aware of this myself. At the moment, it's not because I'm intentionally restricting tons of food or any nonsense like that. It's just more, I have two um, tiny babies in my house and a toddler and I'm working and we've been away and we've been traveling and life is just just a bit busy that I just realized the other day I was like oh I think I need to eat more food like okay yeah I'm not eating enough so I actually have been realizing the last couple of days okay how am I gonna fit in more nutrient dense foods into my day because you know I'm still only about four or five months postpartum after having my twins, I'm still recovering. I'm still prioritizing my recovery. And to recover from childbirth, to recover from pregnancy, to recover from making humans takes a lot of nutrients. It takes a lot and you've got to be super intentional. And so I actually really need to make sure that I am adding in more nutrient dense food. So be aware of this. This is something I'm constantly aware of. And I do have that dieting foundation in my brain. So I can, if I'm, if I don't catch myself, I can veer towards, oh, oh, yay, Kezia, you didn't eat much today. Isn't that good? Isn't it good that you didn't eat much today? That can, that's an old pattern of my brain that I can slip into. So I'm constantly being aware of this because to be honest, I actually had the slimmest I've been in my life is often when I'm eating good amounts, I'm not thinking about it and I'm just enjoying life and eating decent foods and not thinking about it. When I've actually tried to do intermittent fasting as I talk about or restrict food or whatever, that's often actually when I've gained weight and not been as healthy. So under eating, are you under eating? Are you eating enough nutrient-dense food? You might be like, Kezia, what are nutrient-dense foods? Go and listen to the, all the other podcast episodes I've done. You know, but to summarize, you want more protein, more vegetables, more fruits, more fats, more fiber. Those are the things you want more of, okay? Now let's talk intermittent fasting because this is something I get asked about every single week, all the time. <laughs> All the time I get people being like, should I try intermittent fasting? Or I've tried intermittent fasting and it's not really working. Should I push through with it? Do I just need to like do more of it and get better? So here are some of my thoughts. First of all, what is intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting is basically where you have a shorter fast or in the, um, sorry, where you have a longer fast um, throughout the day and often where you would shrink your eating window. So for example, you say you go to bed, you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, you have breakfast around half seven and at night you finish your dinner at around eight o'clock. Then your eating window in that day is about 13 hours because you go from about half seven to eight, half eight. That's a 13 hour eating window. Intermittent fasting is when you shorten that to six eight or 10 hours, where you may be only between 12 and six in the afternoon, that's when you would eat all your food. Um, if you Google this, you'll the thing that you'll see most often on the internet is people skip breakfast, they drink coffee, and then they have lunch at around midday, and then they'll eat until maybe six o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night. They'll eat all their meals from midday until eight o'clock at night or midday and six o'clock. They'll eat meals then. And then they don't eat from say eight o'clock in the evening 
to the midday the next day. And in the morning, they'll have coffee or tea or water or whatever. There's different ways of doing it, which I'm going to talk about. But that method, intermittent fasting, is the most common one on the internet. If you Googled this, if you're on Instagram, you might see people having what they call bulletproof coffee. Um, if you've heard, if you're into keto or like low carb stuff, then intermittent fasting is a big part of that. And it's basically where you shorten your eating window in the day and you have a long, you extend the fast that you have overnight. Because realistically, we're all fast. We all fast every day because when we go to bed, we don't eat. And if you sleep for eight hours, you will be fasting for at least eight hours. But most of the time, people finish eating at like eight o'clock at night and they might not have breakfast until like seven the next day, in which case they're already doing like an 11 hour fast. So, you're, you're already doing it. Intermittent fasting is about being intentional, about extending that fast. So that's what it is. Why would you do it? You might ask. Well, there is a lot of research around intermittent fasting and fasting in general. So fasting is a really helpful tool for healing the body, helping sort out um, your blood sugar, reducing inflammation, loads of stuff. So overall, when you look at the research, fasting can come up really favorably. And it is something I might do with clients. But I do have a lot of caveats and reservations when it comes to intermittent fasting with women, especially, and generally the people that I work with, which 90% of the time is women. So fasting, but overall, according to the research, can be really helpful. If you look at the process of digestion, so say you, when you eat a meal and your body needs to digest it, that process of digestion is very energy consuming in the body. It takes up a good um, chunk of your resources, shall we say. So just not eating gives your body a break. It gives your body a break from digesting food. It's great to do for helping your gut heal. It's really helpful when it comes to insulin resistance, any diabetes, pre-diabetes, um, those kinds of things are really helpful on that front. It also really helps the body to, um, it's kind of like it's the body's own cleanup processes where after a certain amount of time where you're fasting, you almost, your, your body and your immune system releases cells that kind of help clear up everything. So it's great for detoxing. It's great for healing. It's great for reducing inflammation. This is all the stuff that you would probably read about if you um, started, if you, you know, if you went into PubMed or Google Scholar and looked at some of the research, obviously as well, it can, um, there's research around it helping with weight loss and fat loss. Because if you're reducing your eating window, most of the time that's naturally going to come with a reduced amount of calorie intake. So there's also research around it helping your um, weight and those kind of things. So that's often why people might do it. And when it comes to research, the research on it, the research around intermittent fasting is actually really good. It is, it is awesome. You look at it. I would caveat, though, that most of the research on intermittent fasting is either done on men or it's done on animals. There is not a lot of, of research on intermittent fasting with women. There is some, but it's not as extensive. So I would say when it comes if, to men, generally speaking, I would recommend blokes try intermittent fasting. So, you know, if you are male and you have those male hormones and all of that sort of stuff, chances are you'll actually find intermittent fasting pretty easy and it will be beneficial. 
However, if you are a woman, it can get a little bit more complicated. Some of the research shows that intermittent fasting with women can impact your thyroid function. Other research shows that intermittent fasting in women can impact your cycle and your sex hormones. Anecdotally, from my own experience and working with clients, um, I've had so many clients come to me that tried intermittent fasting before coming to work with me, and they often just felt exhausted and drained, didn't lose any weight, and just felt actually worse. I know, I mean, this is years ago, but years ago I tried the typical intermittent fasting approach that I talked about of skipping breakfast, drinking coffee, or I think I was even just having green tea because coffee on an empty stomach doesn't suit me, um, and not eating breakfast until 12. And I felt, I did not feel great, guys. I felt pretty grim. It also, over over a long period of time, it started to impact my cycle a lot more. I started to have more spotting. It didn't help my energy. It just wasn't it wasn't good. I did not feel good intermittent fasting. And that is often my anecdotal experience with women is that they don't feel good intermittent fasting. So, I mean, I'll go into more detail, but to summarize, if you have tried intermittent fasting and you don't feel great, don't do it. I know that's really simple, but this, I find this with clients all the time, there's something about this like dieting mentality and the way our medical system is set up and we've just kind of been taught to not listen to our bodies. So we'll be like, no, 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 um, I've, I've heard that intermittent fasting is really good for you. So I'm just going to keep on doing it, even though I feel terrible. If you feel terrible doing something, don't do it. I know that's maybe really common sense, but I actually see in practice a lot of the time people ignore that. They think, no, 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 intermittent fasting is really good for me. So I'm going to do it, even though my energy is less and I'm losing my hair and I feel tired and fatigued and I haven't lost weight. Or like other, like, you know, it can be the same, like, oh no, I read the keto diet. It's really good for you. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Again, even though they feel worse, more hungry, aren't losing weight and are really tired. They just think, oh, I just need to do keto harder or I just need to do more intermittent fasting. No, no. And I fall into this trap all the time. I can just be like, oh, no, no, no. I just, I just need to, I just need to do more fasting. I'm not doing it hard enough. I'm not doing it well enough. No, it's maybe just not good for your body. So intimate fasting in theory works really well. Generally, I find for men, it works pretty good. My husband does it. I recommended it to him because I thought he'd get on quite well with it. It works pretty well for him. He feels good doing it. It's not a lot of drama he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get any negative side effects. He's probably just getting more of those benefits that's talked about in research. With women, however, I generally find, now this is also, um, my opinion on this is really affected by my client work and my clinical experience. And generally, I work with women who are stressed, have digestive issues, hormone imbalances, and naturally people come to me because they want to work on their health. I don't have women coming to me who are in perfect health already. So if you, if you're listening to this and you are not stressed, your hormones are balanced, you have a good relationship with food, you're at a healthy weight, you're feeling good, there's no drama in your health whatsoever, you might get away with intermittent fasting. But most of the time, I'm guessing you're listening to this because either you're bloated, you're tired, you're stressed, or your hormones are wonky. In that case, I would generally not recommend the standard approach to intermittent fasting at all. 
Also, I would say a lot of the time people jump to these faddy things like intermittent fasting before they've even gotten some of the basics down. So do not even consider intermittent fasting if A, you haven't got good quality sleep, B, you aren't drinking enough water in the day, C, aren't eating enough vegetables, and D, aren't eating whole food meals, three whole food meals a day. Like, just get some foundations sorted before you start fannying around with intermittent fasting. Honestly, because we love that, don't we? And I am kind of fall victim to this. So I'm like, ooh, there's this new supplement called the blah, 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 blah that helps with this really complex system. Oh, let's try that. When actually I just need to get back into my meditating practice. That will help my nervous system and my body way more than some expensive supplement. Okay, so get the foundations right first. But intermittent fasting with women, if you are stressed, if you are not getting enough sleep, if you are struggling to lose weight, if you have hormonal issues or digestive issues, generally I would not recommend you doing that typical intermittent fasting schedule of skipping breakfast and drinking coffee. Nah. The reason for that is most of the time I find with clients is that it's too stressful to the body. So the idea of intermittent fasting is that it does stress the body out just enough so that your body can um, kind of heal and recover, if that makes sense. So another example of that is exercise is so beneficial to us because it slightly stresses our bodies out. And as a result of that stress, our bodies create lots of um, antioxidants and all of this good stuff that is actually a benefit to us. So fasting is uh, works in a similar idea, but often with women, it's too stressful. And if you're a woman who, and you're still of childbearing age, not eating food is a trigger to your body that things aren't good, that you're not safe. And if you're already tired, if you've already got low energy, if you've already got hormones that are out of balance, skipping breakfast is maybe one of the worst things you can do. Honestly, I really wouldn't recommend it. So here's, but here's what I do recommend. So I like all the research around intermittent fasting. And what I've realized and what I've tried out with clients and done a little bit of research on is actually just modifying that very masculine male intermittent model and intermittent fasting process and making it a bit more feminine and working so it works for women. So it works for stressed out hormonal women who have their periods. And this is often what I recommend to clients. So the first thing you want to do if you're interested in this whole intermittent fasting thing is first of all, do some basics like I just talked about. (laughs) So first do that. But if you do want to implement this strategy, the first thing you want to do is just make sure that to begin with, you just have 12 hours uh, that you fast overnight for 12 hours. Some of you might be doing this already and you're like, because you already do this. Some of you don't. And even if you just do this, you'll be grand. And for me personally, I just make sure now that I'm not breastfeeding anymore, this is what I do each night is I generally make sure that I have at least 12 hours from eating my dinner to eating my breakfast every day. And I that has taken me some time to work up to that because I historically used to snack in the evening because I was genuinely hungry. 
But you should be able to go 12 hours overnight if you're eating enough food in the day, for sure. So that is where you begin. Number one, if you're interested in intermittent fasting, do that. Have a 12 hour fast overnight. You'll still get loads of benefits from that. It will help improve your sleep. And you can actually get a lot of the benefits without stressing your body and your hormones and losing energy on that. So that's generally what, what I would recommend to all my clients is just Number one, just go the 12 hour fast. Do that, do that consistently and you'll feel benefits. You don't need to do this massive extreme, I'm not gonna eat till dinner, like till lunchtime. No, just stop eating dinner at 7 p.m. and eat breakfast again at 7 a.m. That's not actually that hard and you can get so many benefits. So that's number one. That's someone I gen- something I generally recommend to most clients, something I personally do every day essentially there might be a couple of nights when you know we're out and it's fun and I'll eat something later on and that's totally fine but in general normal life I would always have 12 hours because I also my sleep quality is much better my REM sleep is much better if I don't eat before like before going to bed so normally I finish eating anywhere between six and seven in the evening and then we'll have breakfast I mean, any time from six o'clock onwards, because it just depends <laughs> when all my children wake up. Um, and the next thing is always eat breakfast. If you are tired, stressed, want to lose weight, have hormonal issues, skin issues, digestive issues, always eat breakfast. And eat breakfast ideally before 10 o'clock at the very latest, I would say. But ideally, if you're really stressed and have low energy, eat breakfast as soon as you can in the morning. So that's number one, 12 hours. If that is all fine, maybe you're doing that already. And what you could do with intermittent fasting and what I sometimes recommend with clients is that they never skip breakfast, but if they want to increase their fast, then they simply stop, they, they simply have dinner earlier the day before. Meaning I generally recommend all my clients to eat breakfast. I really do. I think it really helps balance your blood sugar. It helps calm the body down. It sets you up for the rest of the day. It it means your body doesn't get stressed out. But if you do want to get more of the benefits of a 16-hour fast or an 18-hour fast, which is a lot of what the research is on and a lot of what maybe you've read about online, then what you want to do is actually finish eating dinner earlier. So you want to finish eating your dinner at like five o'clock, half four even, and then don't eat until 9 a.m. the next morning. That is, I would only recommend that if you're already at that 12 hour fast point and you're feeling good. You That would be the way I would suggest you implement a longer intermittent fast because I generally find with clients that stresses their body out less. And it also means that in your eating window in the day, so say you're eating breakfast at nine, and you're eating from nine till five, essentially, you can still fit in three meals. So I really like it when, if oh, if I have a client that really wants to try intermittent fasting, I actually really try and make sure that they eat enough food in that eating window, that they're eating three meals in a day. I don't like using intermittent fasting for restricting food intake. I actually try and get clients to try and eat as much food as they can in that time. Or even even my husband, and he, oh, he's a man and he intermittent fasts. He still has three meals in his eating window. So he often doesn't eat breakfast till 11 or 12. 
and he'll have food at say 12, then again at two or three, and then we have dinner again at five or six. So he's still getting those three meals a day into that six hour eating window, okay? But if you do wanna try a longer fast, have dinner earlier, don't skip breakfast. If you have low energy, if you have imbalanced hormones, if you're trying to lose weight, if you are stressed out, if you have poor sleep, if you get hangry, do not skip breakfast. And that is why I have a real problem with a lot of this like, bro, intermittent fasting, just drink coffee on an empty stomach. No, for most women, that's a disaster. That will stress you out, that you will not lose weight, you will not feel good doing that long term. Also, do not do intense exercise if you haven't eaten food. So a lot of the stuff online is like, intermittent fast, have coffee, do your gym workout, and then don't eat until 12 o'clock. Oh, for most women, that is not good for your body. You will really stress your body out and mess up your hormones doing that. If you're getting up, drinking coffee, going to the gym, running and doing intense exercise and not eat and then eating after that, chances are you're not going to feel great. If you are going to do exercise, eat something before you do exercise. You don't need to eat a whole meal. Like if I'm doing exercise in the morning or going for a run, I'll often just have half a banana because I don't like loads of stuff in my tummy, but I do need something. Especially if you've got out of um, hormones that are imbalanced, then always eat something before you do intense exercise and don't do intense exercise fasted. You might be able to like walk the dogs or do gentle yoga, but don't do anything intense. And again, that goes against all the stuff you read about online. If you read into this or look at other stuff, it'll be like, make sure you go to the gym in your fasted state and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, all this stuff I'm saying is generic advice. Obviously, every client I've worked with, I would suggest different things. Some clients, I wouldn't even recommend a 12-hour fasting period overnight. I would sometimes recommend them to have a snack before they go to bed to help with their adrenals and their blood sugar overnight. Other clients, I might full-on recommend a whole day worth of fasting in order to help their digestion heal or whatever it is. But this is my general advice and what I would, uh, what I say when people ask me all the time about doing it. The, the actions you want to take, if you do want to try intermittent fasting, a good baseline is just 12 hours, 12 hours overnight, finish dinner at seven o'clock, eat breakfast at 7am. Really simple. You'll get loads of benefits from that. If you want to take that a step further, don't skip breakfast, simply eat dinner earlier. Okay, because otherwise chances are you will stress out your body, disrupt your hormones, prevent weight loss and actually not get any of the benefits that you get. Does that make sense? I know this is confusing and this is a great example of why the whole world of nutrition and health can be confusing because you get this research and the research around intermittent fasting is really great, but it is primarily done on men and women, our biology works really differently really does. And so you've got to tailor things. This is why I love working with people directly because you have got to tailor all of this information and research for you and your body in order to get the best results. Okay. And if you just keep on skipping breakfast, drinking coffee and going to the gym on an empty stomach, oh, you're not going to feel great. Generally speaking, especially if you've got digestive issues, low energy and hormone issues and you're stressed. Oh, that is a recipe for disaster. (laughs) It really is. Okay, so I just want to give you a bit of a warning. Yes, fasting has so many benefits and you can get the benefits of that. But you, 
you've got to listen to your body. You've got to remember that you're, that if you're listening to this and you are, you know, your DNA is X and Y chromosomes, you are female, your body works differently. And a lot of the nutritional research is made for people with Y and Y chromosomes. Their DNA is different and their bodies work differently. And it's really important that we acknowledge that. And that's also why, to be honest, you sometimes need one-to-one support. This stuff can be a bit of a minefield. But those two action steps will honestly help you. If you just do 12-hour fasts overnight, you'll get so many benefits of it. And if you want to do longer, don't skip breakfast, eat dinner earlier. What I do is I still get, I feel my body getting quite stressed out um, at longer fasts. So I keep my overnight fast anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. I don't tend to do any more than 14 hours because I feel quite adrenaline-y, adrenaline-y, like I feel quite wired if I do that, like I can tell it's stressing out my body. So I don't go more than 14 hours. At some point in the future, I'd like to do longer stretches of fasting because there is benefits to it. But right now, um, I'm still in that postpartum recovery. I've got, um, my body's still a bit stressed out. There's lots of healing and recovering to do. So I am not focusing on it right now at all. Okay. And I might never do it. It might just never suit my body and that's fine. So that's what I do. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this encourages you to eat more food, (laughs) eat more nutrient dense food and to not get sucked into any faddiness. There's some really simple ways that you can get all the benefits of fasting like we talked about. So just implement them if they feel good, but don't Try and force yourself to do something that doesn't feel good. Listen to your body. Don't get sucked into all the fads. And remember that if you have a female body, then your body is going to work differently. And a lot of the research out there is primarily done on male, white male bodies. And, you know, we we don't all work the same, guys. We don't all girls (laughs) or people. We don't all work the same. And that's really important, okay? If you want more help with this, then come over, head to keziahall.com, click the work with me page. We could work together on this. This is why I work with clients over three months on a one-to-one, up close and personal, weekly, daily basis. I'm boxering my clients, you know, on a daily basis. Then come and get my help. Otherwise, let me know any questions you have about this and eat some more good food. Honestly, if that's the one thing you take from this is eat food. It's good for you. (laughs) Okay, sending you lots of love. Bye.